Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. Well, it's good to be back after such a short amount of time. Be back after such a I always take a moment to look at my audience because I'm always trying to figure out how much adjustment do I make to what I'd hoped to say. So, looks like a good crowd. Let's do this. So on this first Advent uh, Sunday, what better thing to do as you bring Jesus to say, what's it like when Jesus heals your life? Now, uh, apparently I coordinated this well. You um, are talking about some great commission fund money. And so I'm one of your people. So let's just talk about this. I always like giving these updates. It's sort of like when you're sitting in traffic in the summer and there's a sign there that says, your, um, your dollars at work uh, reconstructing roads. Hopefully this is shorter and, and more positive than that. But let's take a look at this. Um, Global Leadership Organization I started 29 years ago, been connected here for approximately 24, 25 years. So thank you. Let me just give you an update of what's happening. Um, as we look at 2024, um, our global team will be in a lot of places. You'll note 27 countries, but uh, stuff I will be doing in just the next few months. Doing a UK evangelist conference. I think I did the first one of these 27 years ago. We were pulling this together. It's gone uh, remarkably well. I think the first time we did one, we had people there from eight countries and the nice thing for me starting a new organization was in the next few months I had invitations to eight countries. So it just triggered and then kept going and built this. These are some people that are doing remarkable work in the UK where it's very needed, as you know. Um, then go off to Oxford to do some things with the uh, people of scholarly means, etc. And uh, got several things there. Head off to Paris and um, just really kind of a fun thing in a place where the gospel has not always been strong. There's some new good things happening and we've been a part of some of those. Um, one of the fun ones, it was just, um, just about exactly four years ago, I was uh, networking and doing a conference, a large scale uh, conference for English speaking churches in major cities of the world and it was in Dubai. And so I was able to put together two people, one from France, who was a, a French-speaking pastor with a Canadian guy that I'd started mentoring in 87. We've been together in like 14 countries since. And put these together, and they've now planted an English-speaking church in Paris, and down in the southwest corner, that's just like remarkable things are happening that don't happen in Paris. And so we'll be there and pull them together and do some more of that kind of stuff. Always nice, especially in the spring, to go to British Columbia. There's several things going on there. And um, a series of outreaches. It's fun at this stage of life to recognize that uh, it's fun to speak to audiences and see them come to faith in Christ from angles they've never seen before. I get to do those. 
As mentioned, our associates next year, it looks like we're gonna be in 27 countries. And then the fun part to report to you, all on a budget of under 200,000. So we've just said forever, oh, come on. We, um, we love that God allows us to do this. However, uh, we're, we're a really good investment of kingdom resources and use them well to accomplish big outcomes, small budgets. It's great fun. Thank you. Thank you for your partnership. One final one, anybody wants a code there, you can scan it. Uh, podcast, we're getting good feedback on a mentored podcast that I'm doing with a chap from Western Canada. Down in the bottom left corner um, is the Power of Mentoring book translated into uh, French and on the other side in Arabic. Just represents what we're doing in various places in the world that other people either can't get to or don't want to get to, and we get to do it now. Let's pick up on our text this morning. I noticed something about you all. Dave was reading the text for us. Not very many of you laughed. I didn't know if that's because it's raining out, you're Presbyterian, uh, or you missed, you missed part of the point. So I'm going to walk you through this. Because this passage has just so many uniquenesses in it about what life change looks like if we move beyond the seriousness of it and look at the sheer humanity of it. So very often when we think about healing, we have terminology that's come to us a quarter of the way through the 21st century. We compartmentalize a lot and this passage doesn't. That's what I love about this passage. It just doesn't do that at all. We reference things of, well, uh, this is a whole categories of books published on emotional healing. Physical healing, of course, the church has prayed for that forever. James says to call the elders of the church and pray over people that they might be healed. We've done healing of the soul, but this morning we want to blend those into one and talk about this passage in the overview narrative. Let it unfold. Again, early, uh, early in Advent, and I feel so bad for this woman. Um, you know this, but your Bibles often will have a heading at some place, like we're changing. This one often says, the sinful woman. I'm going, really? Like, this poor woman's had to put up with this? For all of these centuries, that's what she's known as, which then reminds us going into the holidays, probably time to update your view of family. I had to deal with this myself and also with other people's families. They go, you know, I kind of don't always want to go home. They always tell stories about when I was 16 and stupid. And that was a really long time ago. Having done endless stuff with couples over the decades ago, you know it's really time to update your view of your partner. You say things like, she always does or he always is. And if you look, it's probably been a number of years. You ask, they've responded, you've not updated. So we're going to update our view on her today. Uh, Jesus uh, did 
as it's recorded for us, though, she gets this label. So let's just talk about this. Here's what we have. Jesus is at a dinner party, if you will, an invitation only, male only dinner party. And in the midst of this, this woman unapologetically comes. Now, I said I was scanning my audience. I'm always looking. She crashed the party, if you will. In the last three years, how many of you have crashed a good party? I'm just trying to figure out my audience. We've got a couple. Thank you. Anybody else willing to admit it? Okay. You and I should talk later then. My favorite one was just about four years ago. Uh, other since, but that one was, um, it was at a nice downtown hotel in Dublin, Ireland. I was able to get in. I even got pictures with the bride and groom by the time I was done. So I love these things. They're great fun. <laughs> you know a little something about me. So this woman crashes the party, but she doesn't do it kindly nor quietly. She doesn't stay in the corner. No, she kind of draws attention to herself. Look at the text again. And she brings out this strong-smelling alabaster vial perfume thing and so as we know men and women view smells very differently on one hand women like things that smell good on the other hand men not so much guys let's just talk about this for a minute any of us who've ever been to a gym have a gym bag for workouts for whatever uh, we we do clean it out usually not as often as the people in our life wish we did, but we clean it out and, and put it in the laundry. But there's always, always something stuck in the bottom. And so you're looking through your bag and you fish out this thing that's been in there for God alone knows how long it's been in there. What does every guy alive do when he finds something like that? He sniffs it. And if he's with any other guy, and he always makes a noise, because it's dreadful. And if he's with any other guy, he calls the other guy over. Bob, come here. Sniff this. And Bob always does. Like, it's a badge of honor to smell this bad. Women would never want anybody to know how bad they smell like this. Guy wears it like a badge of honor. Bob goes, oh, that's disgusting. Goes, I know. Well, she brings in this strong-smelling perfume. Everybody's aware of it. Everybody's aware of how strong it is. But she doesn't just do that. As you look at the text, here's what you discover. It says that she stood behind him. Now, remember, they're not sitting at the kinds of table and chairs we have. These would still be active in Middle East. They're probably... 16, max 18 inches high. They have pillows. You recline. So it says his, Jesus' feet were behind. Necessary as this unfolds. And so the next thing she does, she begins to weep. Now, we're always uncomfortable when someone with us is weeping. I, I don't like doing gender generalizations but guys we, we got to admit 
One of the times we're the most uncomfortable in life and it's when there's a woman in our presence who's weeping. We don't know what to do. We can't speak and fix it. We don't know what to do. And so she is weeping and lets her tears fall on Jesus' feet. And then again, picture it. Middle Eastern woman, both at that time and since, she takes the scarf on her head, lets it down, unfurls her hair, kneels down, and starts to wash his feet with her tears and her hair. This is a little strange, but it doesn't stop there. And then it says, and then she begins to kiss Jesus' feet. Now, I asked before, how many of you were willing to admit you'd crashed a party in the last three years? How, how many of you are willing to admit in the last three years You've had someone kissing your feet in public. Anybody? Therapy's gonna be required if you raise your hand. But, ah, uh, I see that hand. And therapy is required for you. I know you. <laughs> so she begins to wet his feet and wipe them with her hair and then begins to kiss them and takes the perfume and pours it on his head. Now, I don't care what era what culture? This is just an awkward situation. You've got a formal dinner party, male only, invitation only, and in comes this woman who's known for not being the one of best reputation. We'll leave it at that. And here she comes. And so the text says, Simon's running in his head. If if Jesus were really a prophet, he would know who she is and what kind of a woman she is. Which Simon did not understand Jesus because this is a classic Jesus story for two reasons. Take a look. Jesus is often, if not always, about empowering the forgotten and the otherwise overlooked. He's a master at it. And then he always asks a question. Note the text again. Jesus said, can I ask you a question, Simon? I said, sure. He said, okay. You have these two men who owed money. One owed a lot, one owed slightly less. They were both had their debt wiped away. And then the key question, which one loves more? Which one loves more? Now, as you study passages like this, they're a narrative that don't have a teaching thing that's unfolding. There's always one key phrase around which everything else functions. In this passage in Luke 7, this is the key passage. Which one loves more? Jesus asks Simon the question. And then he enters in to a bit of an interaction with them. We read it, let's read it again. Notice the misdirection. Misdirection is crucial here. He turns towards the woman, but he's talking to Simon. It's important for this passage because he says, Simon, do you see this woman? Simon's going, see her. How, how can I miss her? Like, she crashes my party. 
she comes in. I'm not saying she made a scene, but she did things that aren't normative. It's a, a little strange, depending on your sensitivities, even a little creepy. If you have those kind of sensitivities. Simon, do you see her? And then he talks directly to Simon. He says, you see, I entered your house, not the house. I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. Again, arid, dry, sandy, dusty climate. That was normative practice. You would always do that. Simon didn't. He said, yet this woman has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Simon, you, you didn't give me a kiss. Now again, that part of the world, male to male, there would always be a kiss, one cheek or two. It's one of the interesting things when you work cross-culturally, especially if you work internationally, you always check out very quickly. You check out how do they greet each other? How do men greet men? Do men greet women at all? If so, how? How, how does age and gender figure in? And then one I had to figure out in the hard way is if you're a person of honor or they view you as honorable, you get greeted differently, which apparently the people who invited me in early on didn't consider me honorable because they didn't tell me about this. So it's either one cheek or two, but if you're a person of honor, they go for three. Well, that, that involves a, a nose smashing, which you're never comfortable, but they happen. And so Jesus says to Simon, mate, you gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she's not ceased kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil. Again, dry, arid climate. It's a sort of a watered-down oil that they would put on. Just refresh them a bit. Because Simon, you didn't do that for me. But she's anointed my feet with her ointment. Therefore, Simon, I tell you, her sins, yeah, they're many. I'm aware of it. Remember, Simon wasn't sure Jesus was aware. Jesus goes, no, I know, I know. But I see her sins are forgiven. Why? Because she has loved much. Push pause. North side of New York City, rainy day. Whole life healing. Not just heal part of it as we go into Advent, but all of it. It starts with loving him and then being forgiven so deeply that there's no residue of that sticking around. That's what the text would be saying to us. Let's talk about experiencing forgiveness if we can. Experience of forgiveness is quite fascinating to me. I was a young senior pastor, 26. I don't recommend it at all, but they needed somebody. I was there. We did it. <clears throat> I discovered very quickly that my people who'd been there the longest, whether they were the oldest or not, probably cognitively understood forgiveness, but heart and soul stuff 
Nah, they didn't. They'd missed it. So I thought, I've got to help them, even though I'm younger than their children, some of them. I have to help them. So I just made it known that on Wednesday afternoons for two hours, I would be in my office and I would invite one person at a time to come <clears throat> and say, I, I want to listen to your life. I want to listen to the narrative of your life. I want to hear your story. And often they would get very defensive and go, no, no one's ever wanted to hear my story. What I, I mean, I should have said, well, that's probably why you're like this. But I was very gracious at 26. And I said, it's probably time someone hears your story then. So come on. If you don't come, I've got plenty to do. Here's your time. Come. No one came on time. They were very reluctant. But then they came and wished they had two full hours or more. It was so interesting, male and female. Everybody would be late 50s to late 70s. Just listen to their narrative and pray forgiveness into them, a couple things out of them, restoration of their soul. I actually got calls from their adult children who said, what did you do with one of my parents? Like, they're different now. What'd you do? I said, I listened to them. Might want to do that the next holidays. Listen to their story. So it's about feeling forgiven. It's about, first of all, being forgiven. We'll get there before we're done. It's accepting it at a really deep level, making sure there's no blocks or barriers there. Because sometimes with forgiveness, we take it to a level and go, this, this is good, but we don't go for the other stuff. Experiencing it, acknowledging it, but don't ever forget the remembering piece. The honesty of acknowledging what you were, are, actually like, doing leadership development internationally and across genders and ages. I've always been looking for assessments that help us get to the real core of people and what they're dealing with and which ones work cross-culturally. And one of that I've really enjoyed and been found useful, enjoyable is too strong a word, is the 16 PF, 16 personality factors. Can't take it online. It's a clinical personality profile but it gets at what you're really like. I remember I took it nearly 30 years ago, first time, and I read this and someone read it with me. And there were three paragraphs, made me look like just the worst guy alive. Like seriously, it looked like I could rip your face off and smile. Um, unresolved anger things, etc. and I went, I thought, thought I was way past that. But remember, personalities formed in the earliest stages of your life. So some of that gets addressed in different ways. So I couldn't wait to get home, show this thing to Diana and say, I need you to read this thing and give me some feedback. I said, these three paragraphs make me look really bad. And I said, am I really that bad? And she read it, read it a couple times, and then there was this uncomfortably long silence. 
I thought, she's a cold woman. She's gonna make, she's gonna make me wait. And then she spoke, it was good. And she goes, Martin, I remember when you were like this. Yep, you, uh, you have updated and changed a lot. And then she was so insightful. Another long pause and she said, if ever you don't walk with Jesus, you'll be this again. Yep. Yep. Whatever it takes to dig deeply so that forgiveness is not just something you're aware of. It's something that represents the best of who you are. Take this month and spend time going there, both by yourself and with a trusted friend. Let's talk about Simon for just a minute. Because Simon's a key character here, but we don't know what to do with him. Simon just sort of took all of his own stuff for granted. He was one of those people who probably thought he was one of the best guys he knew. You, you know those people. None of you are those people, but you, you know those people. And he developed a religious spirit. Religious spirit has nothing to do with um, faith or Christianity because it happens in all religions across the board and it happens in cultures. So sometimes, I mean, I'm not going to address your culture, uh, but some of you come from families where everything about a religious spirit's there. Keep listening. You'll see what it looks like. He had the religious spirit where he always assumed he was right. <laughs> I learned a lot about this when I was young. I was, um, I was still in my 20s. I had taken this small, um, old, not fun church and thought, let's, let's see what it takes to bring this around. I know I'm going to teach this someday. Let's see what this looks like. Well, it's always more work and more time than you thought it would be. But things happen enough. I was still in my 20s. I was asked to do both organizational and church consulting. In your late 20s, you don't know enough to do that, but you tell about what you know. And so I would be at places, and I would say, let, let me make one thing so clear you can't miss it. Ready? You, as an individual, you really matter to God. But your opinion doesn't matter at all. It's the kingdom of heaven. And you've confused that. You think your opinion and God's are the same. No. It's the kindest thing I can say to you. We also forget that the grace of God is for other people too. Simon could only see her as the sinful woman in the town. Jesus saw her as the person being redeemed and changed from the inside out. So it really is, please don't miss it, it really is about love. Let's just unpack religious spirit for just a minute. Religious spirit calculates. Religious spirit keeps track. Like, I, I've done all these things. I've done these good things. We, we don't want to be that way, but in the back of our mind, we keep track of stuff. Going, 
you know God's not impressed with that, right? But if we calculate, then we've got a benchmark for our stuff. We evaluate ourselves and we evaluate other people. By the way, we're hard on other people, but internally we're as hard on ourselves. The odd thing about the enemy of your soul, even when you've calculated how well you're doing, he turns it on you. You don't win. Religious spirit just will never get you where you want to get. And then it judges. It just does activities, behaviors, even motives. We have no, we have no, this way, we have no right to in any way critique, evaluate, or judge the motives of other people. None. And then we think we deserve credit with the religious spirit. Again, it assumes that our personal opinion and God's are the same. And it limits our freedom and it limits our love. So let's begin to wrap this up because it really is about love, you know. It really is. So the greatest of the commandment, so clear. You know this one. You love the Lord your God with kind of everything you have. And by the way, the people around you. Yep, them too. And so they were always trying to figure out with Jesus, sometimes trap him, but sometimes they were actually trying to figure out with Jesus like, what's the most important thing? And so they said, of all the commandments, Jesus, which one? Come on, which one? And he took us right back to that one. Love God, all your heart. And the people around you, come on, they deserve it too. So let's embrace this love thing. Don't assume it. Don't assume it. And then utilize the sensory motifs. Sensory motifs not a word you usually hear from a pulpit, but it's sort of all of the senses. See, sense, hear, feel, experience. All of those. Embrace them in that kind of love. And what will happen is you have this sense that you're just free. It's great fun. And then you have this sense you're full. And since we already mentioned fun, and you will be way more fun. And the people around you will clearly like that about you. I want to take you back to the last time I was here because it fits again. Just simply at the end, I said, are you more in love with Jesus today than you were last year? For those of you who didn't spend much time on it, take care of it now. Spend some time on it today. Am I more in love with Jesus today? than I was at this time last year or over the last couple of years? And is it evident to the people around me? And are you more loving towards them today than you were last year? Again, it'll be evident. And finally, this is what the healing of your life looks like. It gets into your soul and your spirit. Let me just make a distinction. The spirit thing is just that. 
It is the realms of the spirit of light. It's the realms of the Holy Spirit. There's no darkness there. That that comes through so clearly. All the phrases you use of I'm struggling with that, I'm, which in essence is I'm managing that. Let me, let me just uh, give you a little extra. Probably time to get the phrase out of your life and your vocabulary. I'm working on that. I started several decades saying to people, get rid of that. Because what means I'm working on that is you're trying to manage it better because it annoys you and you're, you're aware that it limits you. And so just please don't. Early on, I would say, okay, you and I are going to stay in touch for five years. Here's my email. I want yours. I'm going to check back with you in five years. Is this thing gone? You've spent five years addressing this. You've spent five years working on this. Is it done? And most of the time, it was really quiet and went, no. You see, in the literature, this is called sin management. I'd rather you go to Colossians. Chapter 3, Paul talks about those dreadful things you don't like about your life. He calls them sins of the tongue and sins of the flesh. And he says, put them to death. Now, if we translate it, what he would say to us today is, kill those little suckers. Don't leave them around. Don't play with them. Don't manage them. Kill the little suckers. You're too good to keep them around. You're too good. Healing of your life includes the body. Those are always fun to pray. Healing of your life is about your emotions and the depths of your heart. That kind of person that when you're around them, you know they love God with all their heart. And you sense it emanating from them. And it's what this uh, woman would tell us. This is what it's like when it's your whole life. Let's wrap up just before we do communion. I'm going to read through this prayer quickly without any, uh, any reference points. And then we're going to uh, pray this together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may I experience the fullness of your healing, mind, body, soul, spirit. I receive the fullness of your forgiveness and offer it freely so that there may be no limitations in my life. Express my desire to be filled with your love and to share it freely with those who are nearest to me. Today, identify two things to leave behind and one to embrace that comes from you. Receive the healing that comes from you into the depths of my own heart today through the power of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I want to just touch on the last paragraph for one moment. You know this. One of the great traditions of the Christian church, communion. 
And at communion, you know this. You've been at it long enough, you know this. There's always something to leave behind. Very seldom when the Bible says, search your heart and see, you go, I don't think there's anything there. I'm really good. Most of us find something. And so at that moment, there's always something to leave behind. But then we forget the second part. There's also something to receive from your father. Get in a place where you can receive it. Now, we're gonna walk through this together. Make this personal for you. So if you want to stand, put your hand over your heart, pray this into yourself, you can. If you wanna turn around and kneel at your chair, if you want to sit quietly and if there's a tear or two comes, this is for you. Well, let's pray this out loud together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may I experience the fullness of your healing, mind, body, soul, spirit. I receive the fullness of your forgiveness and offer it freely so that there are no limitations in my life. Express my desire to be filled with your love and to share it freely with those nearest to me. Today, I identify two things to leave behind and one I want to embrace that comes from you. I receive the healing that comes from you into the depths of my heart through the power of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.